and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. This week I'm talking to Lorraine Mottershead. We are having a really light-hearted chat about all sorts of things. One thing I love about Lorraine is how easy she is to talk to. She's so down-to-earth and genuine, and I was really happy that she agreed to come on and talk to me. We discuss how she set up her salon, why she enjoys Salon Creative. We talk about her time singing in an 80s band and how she got into it. We also find out about her role behind the scenes on the TV show Pooch Perfect, and we get all the details on the Great British Grooming Show 2024. Lorraine has been a grooming competitor and has won many classes in her time, as well as a few best in shows. She has also judged at various competitions around the country and she is one of the organisers of the Northern Grooming Competition, the Great British Grooming Show. She has won the Congeniality Prize at the Liz Paul Awards and was the demo dog groomer behind the scenes on the TV show Pooch Perfect. Lorraine has also got her city and guilds in dog grooming and has been grooming for over 35 years. So, Let's get to the interview. It was a real pleasure talking to Lorraine, so I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. Here we go. Hi Lorraine, welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Brilliant. All thank good. you for coming on. So if we start by you just introducing who you are and a bit about yourself and your grooming setup. Okie dokie. Uh, well, uh, Lorraine Mottershead. I have been grooming for 35 years, I think it is. 1988, I started. I was a YTS, or youth training scheme. I was on getting paid something like £28.50 <laughs> a week. I know, but it was on the job training for two years. Worked, worked that alongside with a college, St. Helens College, and did the animal care course and a bit of first aid and all that kind of thing. Pet store management, that was all. And it was just a fun course. And I always wanted to work with animals. It was my careers officer at school said, we've found a placement as a dog grooming salon. I was a bit like, dog grooming? I mean, I, I had a border collie, but I'd never had a groom, do you know? No. I was like, didn't even really know. I thought, isn't that like posh people and poodles and things like that? <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. When I started grooming, I was like, it was my dad's idea. And I went, dog groomer? What? Yeah. Like, what? Fluffing dogs all day? What? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I fell into dog grooming and it's, I, they started me off as a Saturday girl just before I left school. And I was in there, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing amazing all yeah. these dogs coming in it was quite a busy salon there was three girls there but it was breeds then a lot of breeds from afghan samoyeds and westies galore yorkies you don't hardly say yorkie nowadays loads and loads of poodles i mean I do quite a few poodles myself now but absolutely loads and loads of poodles you know the toys miniatures predominantly and the Brilliant. crossbreed was a crossbreed was either some kind of collie cross german shepherd type dog mm-hmm. or a uh, a ben- what we used to call Benji type dog, so some kind of terrier in there. Didn't know yeah. really what it was. Proper Heinz fifty sevens. Then were the crossbreeds that we got. So there's a lot changed in in that respect. Started off as a baffer. So although I was doing <clears throat> training to be a groomer, excuse me, my boss gave me a pair of scissors and she yeah. said, "Get yourself acquainted with them." And she taught me how to trim tables, trim walls, trim doorways. Yeah, that was the same <laughs> as me. Closing and my scissors. I remember the day of coming home from work experience with my scissors and I would scissor around my mum and dad's kitchen table. I'd scissor around the TV, up and down the worktops, all different angles. And they'd be like, can we get out the bloody way of the TV? Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, that's it. But I think it really helped uh, give me a good grounding. And my boss always told me, uh, she was her name was Pauline Guy. She was amazing. I loved her to bits. And then they, she sold the salon and then it changed to a lovely lady called Janet Hannon. And she was a fabulous second boss, so to speak. Both gave me really good grounding. They made me write breeds down. So every, every dog that I touched or handled that day, in one way, I had to make notes. So okay. even if it was just like bathing a Westie, or what what products are used on it, what brushes are used on it. And I just sort of learned that mm. way. And it sort of went in my head. And then I had to watch the, the actual stylist style the dog. And I used to have to make notes about what blades they used. I mean, we're going back years where everything was corded. Yeah. There was no corded, cordless clippers or anything. And mm-hmm. they, there were no blasters. We didn't have a blaster. It was just Blimey. a dryer. Big German, big German thing. You, if, until, you've, until you've hand-dried... <laughs> Literally a samurai with no blasting or a cocker spaniel. Oh my oh, goodness. <laughs> and, and and we use like Argos hair dryers or something, you know what I mean? Wow. It was um and lots of German German brushes. The universal slicker was the one that we use, obviously that and yeah. German scissors, which were the um so, so uh, like, I can't remember the name of them now, the AMA AMA or something like that, you know. And the rose lines. That, uh, the, the, the rose, rose lines. lines. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hate rose lines, but there you go. <laughs> they had their place in the day yeah, and they still got, do now, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I've got one pair and I whack them out when I think none of my other scissors are going to cope with this. So my rose lines come out <laughs> and I just think that, uh, for all day, every day, I couldn't I couldn't use them all day, every day. But funny no, enough, the lady no. I trained up with, she did. She had a massive, great big pair of rose lines and the things she could do with them was absolutely bloody amazing. So, yeah, so that's how I sort of started. I have... Moved salons three times. I started when I left me place of, I got married early. got married very young, 18. Wow. Um, I know, I know. I was, I, but anyway, so I did that. Got pregnant very soon after that, three kids later and all that kind of thing. And then in 1996, I opened up my first salon, which was extremely difficult. No banks would touch me. It was just like... Oh, dog grooming, that's a hobby. And I used, and I got shunned away from nearly every bank. Someone not even see me. No, nope, not give me a business loan. I wanted £5,000 to so I could buy myself a table and buy myself some clippers and yeah. just do a bit of a deck. Anyway, so I got this little little salon set up. And it was my uncle, my uncle that um, loaned me two, two and a half grand. And yeah. he said, I'll let you get one year out of the way and then you can pay me back monthly. And he said, it doesn't matter how long it takes to pay you back as long as you pay me back. And I, I did, you know. Oh, it's a lifelong started... of someone like that, isn't it? Yeah. I started off with like, you know, one dog in a day. And I was like, oh, God, I'm never going to make any wages. But I paid myself £25 a week in 1996. Blimey. And then as I got another dog another dog in, I got, I got a little bit more and I got a little bit more until I eventually got, I suppose, a sort of livable wage back in 96. You know, I mean, my husband worked at the time and stuff. I bet when you got to that point, you were so proud, though, because you'd done all that background work behind it. And to finally think, I'm actually making a living out of it, it must have felt really good. I was just, and I took any dog on, I weren't bothered (laughs) at the time. It was like, I, I just, I just loved, I loved it. You know, I loved going to work. I felt really proud opening my own salon. I wouldn't have been able to do it without my family. My mum obviously looked after me a lot of my kids. I say yeah. I had um, three children from that relationship, but my mum was just as a rock. You know, she used to take my kids to school, pick them up, that kind of thing. She was amazing. I was going to say, do you think, like, from where you started and had all them different breeds and all them different dogs and getting help in the salon and doing all your friends' dogs and that, that sort of helped you have quite an all-round knowledge of so. all the different breeds going forward? Yeah. Because I see yeah, you competing so. with a right variety of dogs. I mean, you do... And I've seen you do breed standards. I've seen you do Asian and creative, obviously. But then, like turning one dog into another dog, I've seen you do so, your poodle and your fox terrier, and to get all yeah, the breed standard was... traits into a complete yeah. other dog, there's a hell of a lot of knowledge behind there, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it's inspiration. I get inspiration from some grooms. You think, oh God, that's amazing. Isabella Douglas Jones is one groomer. Before I knew her, I was following her and stalking her on Facebook. I got, oh my God. Yeah. And the the, the, fox, <laughs> the Fox Terrier Inspire Poodle was pretty much a sort of copy off that. Don't get me wrong. Hers was yeah. just amazing. And I, I just, she just inspired me so much. She still does. And 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 I think having, oh God, some of the grooming family out there and you see some people's work, I mean, it's, it's just changed so much. Having someone to, to, that inspires you yeah. in your life, you know, and that's where social media is amazing. 
Yeah, exactly. I've always had the love of the the wool coats. Always wanted a standard poodle, which I've obviously yeah. got. I've just always loved the wool coats and the. I love the fun things that you know the ones that don't necessarily have to stick by the rules, the breed standards. That I'd rather just. That's probably why I'm always leaning towards the slight creative. Yeah, you know the fun agent style, something a little bit quirky. Have you always been quite creative, like outside of grooming as well? I can't draw. No, me neither. <laughs> I wished I could. I wished I could draw or paint. I like me interior design. I did a course on that years and years ago. Wow. Uh, just because, just because, yeah. you know, it was only an online one, but I learned quite a bit from that and it just kept me occupied, I suppose, through me, me uh, years of being married at a young age. Uh, so I've always liked doing stuff like that, you know, stencil work in the house. Well, that, that was an in thing years ago. Yeah. <laughs> when people used to stencil their walls. I haven't got a steady enough hand. I mean, I don't know how I can scissor, but when it comes to drawing, stenciling, anything to do with crafts, I'll smudge it, I'll tear it. I'll rip it. Yeah. I'm the person that glues my hand to my own head. Do you know what I mean? I'm not always yeah. that person. I'm just not a crafter at all. <laughs> I wish there was more. I wish there was, but I, I I'll have a go at stuff. You know, I'd, I'd like to have a go at. I'd like to have a go at painting or drawing or something. Maybe go to a class or something. I think that'd yeah. be good. When you get the ideas for your dogs, where do you where do you get them from? Like, how do you um, turn them from your head into on the dog? I like to use Pinterest. I find Pinterest really, really good. Uh, okay. Obviously, there's hundreds, thousands and thousands of groomers from across the world with their work on there. But Pinterest is really good because obviously. I like. I don't do it enough because obviously I, I I do work in the salon all day every day and I don't get a lot of chance to do fun things. I suppose you know lockdown helped with that. I had, I had a bit more of a go at like with the fake fur wool pads and things like that. But I yeah I get inspiration from Pinterest. I can like look at flowers, tattoos, mm-hmm. um, which I don't have any of, but I I love the artwork involved with with tattoos. So you That's can get so inspiration for for creative from just looking at nature and plants how leaves are shaped how flowers are shaped and the colors that are used in in nature and i think that can that can really help you create a design be it whether you're going from a a nice salon creative to to full-on extreme extreme isn't for me i'm not against it in any way but it's just not for me it used to hurt my head a little bit doing extreme Because honestly, any uh, creative groomers out there that embark on doing some extreme work, it you're like you're sitting there up all night, and you're dreaming about a design. You want to do, could do this, I could do that, I could put that there, and then you're like, yeah. oh god, go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, so, but I've always liked the more delicate approach to creative grooming. The more just delicate flowers, delicate shapes. I'd like to do more of that, but because I work day to day in a salon, you don't always get the time. So it and is then hard. It's shattered to... at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to be creative when you are working hard and you are tired and you've got so many other things going on because even sort yeah. of coming up for ideas maybe with the podcast, so when I'm really busy, like it's hard to think, oh, the brain space to research this and look that up and get in touch with this person about this and yeah. da, 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 because yeah. your brain is just shattered from, especially with the last couple of weeks. I know you've had it as well. We've both been ill with the horrible winter cold, yeah. haven't we? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's good to it's good to have something else to focus on as well. I think as well. So it must be nice when you do sort of think, oh, there's an idea, and then you get sort of carried away with it. It must uh... definitely, definitely. I've got books, uh, little notebooks dotted around the house where I've come up with a creative design and I, I, you know I've, I've, I've given them I've given the ideas to a couple of groomer friends I've gone do this do this for extreme if you're going to do you know just yeah. that kind of thing but I don't know I really like the delicate the delicate ways of grooming and the nice and classy designs yeah yeah so, tasteful and, I think, and simplistic and pretty yes and yeah. I think I think the general public understand that more as well yeah you know, it's accepted a lot more to just have a delicate this or a delicate that popped on the dog. And they, they do accept that. They do accept that a lot more. And you get a lot less stick for it. What about your singing and things as well? Because obviously that's a different type of creative. Um, yeah. I know you've been singing for a long time. How did you get into that? And what does singing mean to you outside of work? Singing. Oh, God, well, I'm going back many years when I was probably stood in front of my family, making my own costumes up. Books Fizz, if anybody's out there that remembers Books Fizz, probably about eight. And I wouldn't have ever classed myself as a singer by any means, but it was along to the track that was played on the record player. So, and then obviously just been a karaoke singer for many, many years. And it was literally, I 
local pub, the DJ used to organise different nights and he was very good at getting you to learn different songs. So he, okay. with my voice, I sing. My voice is really suited to like some some rock, like soft rock. And I sing a lot of like solely type songs and like Alison Moyer. Very nice. My voice Lovely. Sort of lends itself quite well to that. Alison Moyer is far superior than I am, but she's she's been an inspiration music-wise for me. Obviously, I've always been mad into 80s because that was when I was sort of growing up and that was my music. Yeah. So basically, lots of different karaoke nights. We used to do like, you had to come up with a set list, 45 minutes worth of that person's songs or that theme of songs or rock or soul or yeah. whatever. And we used to dress up and that's what we did in our local pub. So how I ended up being in a band, my husband's 60th, who was on holiday with some friends in Prague, and he's been in the music industry in various bands over many, many years. And he said to me, he said, Lorraine, I want to start a new band up and I want you to front it. I was like, me? Me? <laughs> I said, I'm 45, I can't be in a band. <laughs> and he said, honestly, he said, let's let's just part. I want to do an 80s band. So I was already a bit excited, but I was a bit like, oh my God, in front of an audience. Oh no, no, don't forget it. Anyway, so we practiced for about a week so having a go yeah. just throwing some songs out there in the local pub and uh we picked up a gig Brilliant. a beer festival a beer festival of all things there was about 400 people there i was like oh my god <laughs> so my first gig so it wasn't full-on 80s it, it was a lot of stuff that i already sound on karaoke so i sort of knew where i was going with it all yeah uh within so after four weeks of actually coming back from prague we got our first gig and and I did it, and we picked up three more gigs from that, and then we picked some, you know, every time we, gig, we went gigging, we was picking up more and more gigs. Uh, so we've got... That's uh, amazing. Have, I love that story. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really <laughs> like, fun way of getting into it, sort of like, just sort of like, oh, do you want to be in a band? Yeah? Yes, I know. <laughs> and do you still yes. get as nervous now when you do your shows as you did when you first started that first time? Oh. Or Sometimes, you yeah. Now? I think it depends on how many people are watching me. Okay. what the expectation is if yeah. I've had a cold or something and I'm just on the latter end thinking oh god I'm going to get through yeah. these two hours of singing and yeah. is my voice going to last it, it was taking over my life a little bit because obviously with working in the salon yeah if I was out gigging on a Friday night and say the place was an hour away I'd be getting home at like two o'clock in the morning Blimey. and then back in the salon that is um, hard looking work. for whatever kebab shop was open so I could eat because I didn't I don't eat on the days of singing I'll eat my breakfast I'll have a light dinner yeah and it's all like no dairy that kind of thing drinking water only and it became it I was I was tired it was just sometimes going three nights three nights a week obviously I've hit just above 50 now and I'm just like my knees because I'm stood up all day and then to get changed and dance for two hours looking yeah lively in my stiletto in my three inch stilettos which you know <laughs> my knees used to kill me and I was like my knees and my feet but it's 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 all of an act if you like because you've got yeah you've got to look like you're having fun even if you're not by having an audience listen to you and actually have fun that really yeah. spurs you on you forget about your bad knees well. and you yeah 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 so we've done some we've done some good gigs the largest one was Darwin Live so that's Blimey. a full weekend of loads and loads of pubs so anything about 20,000 people going through the area we've done a couple <laughs> of festivals but I do like a good pub though a good pub where they all everybody just cracks on with it and just has a yeah. good laugh and yeah so that's that side of my life yeah since you're on stage and that adrenaline's running and stuff I totally understand that feeling having performed before myself you, everything else just yeah. sort of disappears doesn't it I think yeah. everything else that you even have going on in your life you, you can only deal with so many things in your head at one point and that's the priority because you're there in that moment on stage so it's a fabulous release in a way and then it's sort it of like, is. but then there's trying to like calm down afterwards because you must have that sort of still have that buzz about you and it takes a while to sort of calm oh down. yeah I have, a, I have a very large whiskey after my gig <laughs> <laughs> brilliant <laughs> it's like medicinal purposes uh but Aww. just go just going back onto the um how it makes you feel sometimes i i, I i've got this big fear and i've never changed it be it dog grooming speaking being on stage singing whatever i like i want people to like me and i've always yeah. had that thing because I'm, I'm i'm a dead genuine person you know i love everybody until they upset me you know I'm, I'm yeah. just always like I, I've just been raised that way that everybody's wonderful and sometimes people aren't yeah but, um and I always want people to enjoy and I try and do the best I can 
with my job, yeah. my job, my singing, whatever. I just try to be the best I can be. And, and I think sometimes lot... it, 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 that, that isn't good for me, you know what I mean? I, I think that really affects my um, my confidence. Yeah. So I'm not and naturally a very confident person. And I think a lot of people listening will probably relate to that. And I think I think a lot of people think that it's sort of, oh, this is a, a thing that I have a problem with. But I think that so many people do have that problem I've had that problem and you think oh what if they don't like this what if they don't like this or what did you know are they gonna like this and when they do you if you get some like you know praise or whatever it's almost like being a little dog you're sitting there you're wagging your tail you're like oh yeah yeah yeah, everything's you know going well but then if you get like that little sort of brush off or that little you know whatever it is that gives you that feeling of oh oh I've done wrong or oh no they don't yeah I'm not I'm, yeah get- I, I'm, I'm not I'm not good enough and I do think that about myself I get told off by in a nice way by my husband sometimes you're like just because he's dead confident is anybody it? that knows me husband Wayne he's super confident and he's just says it how it is yeah and I'm sometimes like going oh because of that <laughs> All my friends will say, all the rain, just do it. You, you're dead good at what you do and whatever have you. Be I'll say in anything I do, but I'm like, oh no, but what well, it's not good enough. What happens yeah. if I fail? And I and I am still like that now. And so sometimes when you're out there and people are looking at you, you yeah. have to act act a bit that you you know what you're doing and you know yeah. what you, you know, because I do know what I'm doing, but sometimes it's that self-acceptance of I can do this. And I do yeah. fail at that sometimes in my inner self. Yeah. So. And I think that's <laughs> That's similar for any of us sort of sort of what I call creative types, whether it's in the grooming competitions, whether it's at, yeah. when you're singing on stage, whether when I used to be doing my dance shows and things, there's always that moment where you think, oh, and then like you said, yeah. I've just got to put that front on. But I think even sometimes with the dogs in the salon, you have to be a bit like that as well, because sometimes you have You do, dance, yeah. Well, that's done. it, that's it. You know, that's one place I am. I am quite calm, and I'm quite. I, I, I like a really calm salon. Yeah. Obviously, you get do, you get days where the dogs dogs are barking because there's, there's myself, my business partner. I joined in, into a partnership. Karen initially worked worked with me, and then we became a business partnership in 2000. But it seemed right at the time. So, and, and we've we've worked, we're a bit good, good cop, bad cop sometimes. Forget forget any customers that are a bit that scare me. I send her out. <laughs> <laughs> if if it's a nicey nicey approach, I like to go out there because I, I like. Yeah. I, I, I love my customers. I hear it sometimes that some groomers are like, "Oh, you know, this one's driving me mad," but which can, can happen with anything. But I absolutely yeah. love my customers. I've got a really good customer base. Very rarely end up with any anything wrong going wrong. They, they listen to me, and I, I think we've got a good relationship with with them with with ninety nine point nine percent of them. So and 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 I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah, so and then we've got Sophie, she rents a table and uh lovely Joanna who baths all our dogs for us. Do you like being part of a team? Because obviously if there's yes. four of in in there, is that yes. is that nicer than back when you work by yourself? It's so much so because even if it's just something like, could you just cuddle this dog while I do its nails? Yeah. You know. Uh, could you just massage this one's ears because um, dogs like that don't they yes. massage this one's <laughs> ears or round its eyes and we can generally calm the dog down uh, my business partner does reiki as well she did reiki with rob fellows and that re- that really helps i've seen dogs calm she she does a lot karen does a lot of the uh the, any of the aggressive dogs and you know the shih tzus of this world i'm not like tech on a cane call so it was a bit aggressive but shih tzus that are like elderly and they're getting a bit grumpy so she does a little bit of reiki on them and she gets through them she does a really really cracking job she's got the patience for that so i have seen that work where sometimes i'm trying to do a dog's feet and it's bouncing around and bouncing around and you're like we try and keep still you've got a bad knee or whatever and Mm -hmm. so she'll just do some a little bit of reiki on it or she'll do some sort of calming techniques on it or just be another calming influence i think and i think that that really helps and we can get a lot of dogs done working as a double act that's otherwise if i was on my own i might be like oh god do this dog send it home i think by working if you if you can work with a second person I think that wholeheartedly helps. So the next thing that I wanted to ask you about, because you was helping out in Pooch Perfect, wasn't you? Could you like yeah. tell us a bit about what your role was and what you did and what you enjoyed? And yeah, just a little bit about it, really. Right. OK, well, Pooch Perfect came about, oh, uh, well, it was sort of a lockdown time, wasn't it? All that craziness yeah. that was going on. I initially entered it to be one of the, what do you call them? I know it's like competitors like then, but you know what I mean. Or... Contestant, yeah. yeah. I originally entered it and I was I got through every, every sort of interview and I was up for going for it. Then I my mum 
I mean, my mum was 88. She, my mum died basically. Oh, um, she, she was an old lady. She had dementia, bless her. And I just couldn't handle it. My brain was like, I, I work a lot of gut feeling. I was like, I can't do this. My head's not with it, you know. Right. Um, and there was lots of interviews. And I think with regards the mental health of the the lockdown and all that kind of thing and yeah. how people felt and and stuff i think um i just i just it just i just wasn't feeling it so no. i pulled out and then i got a phone call from the lovely stuart simons and he says yes. rain i know you've pulled out but <laughs> <laughs> but we need uh, a demo groomer to do some of the fun things, the creative side of things, and uh, some of the pet salon trims, like you saw on the Pooch Perfect, you know, yeah. the, the teddy bear, whatever. And this is what this is what the judges are going to use and to have a look at, and everybody's going to sort of aspire to be like that and do a trim like that or whatever. So I got to do that. So it was like Brilliant. a month's work, a month's work, and I, some of the dogs I didn't know I could put a request in, but obviously the, we were quite limited during the lockdown and stuff like that of about course. what dogs we could and couldn't use but it was it was fabulous it was really fabulous and good and, fun and so did you um did you sort of feel like you learn anything going forwards like by taking part in the program like either about um, grooming or just about yourself I really enjoyed it because I, I could be creative in my own time the, the, you know the salon was sort of half open half you know not at the time certain dogs were allowed to do and but so on so on so forth uh, so I was given a, a dog the little the miniature poodle I got probably quite the largest challenge because okay um, they'd they'd asked me to do a spiral I was like okay I've, I, even though Isabella is my friend I've never done a spiral before <laughs> it's hard isn't it I've yeah. seen I've seen yeah. Isabella do one in the I think it was at the conference actually it might have been at Collins yes. conference a couple of years ago yeah it might have been yeah. yeah I remember thinking whoa. <laughs> Yeah, Just trying to get your head around it. It's like, I mean, maths is not my strong point. Maths, shapes, trigonometry, anything like that. Yeah. Angles. Oh, my, I, can't, yeah. I can't even play snooker or pool. Do you know what I mean? Just angles and stuff out like that. So the idea of getting a spiral on a dog, around a dog, at the same distance apart, with the same length spot. Oh, my, it's just it's enough to send my brain into knots. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I was given this miniature poodle and, and it hadn't been trimmed since Crofts. And the, the but the owner had clipped. She hadn't done anything. It, it was it was hairy, really. I've got all the before pictures. And oh. but the owner had clipped the base of the tail, and I was like, no, oh, <laughs> it doesn't no. work with a spiral. <laughs> anyway, so I just made something up and did the spiral and did the best of my ability at the time. So I I, I sort of pre-groomed the dogs in the salon so they get bathed and dried and everything, and then we oh, popped brilliant. the dogs in the car, took them to the studios uh, yeah. in Manchester and just I can then titivate the dog or do a little bit more tidying up on it put a little yeah. bit more shape the dog the do all the dogs were checked by um the vets Balu, the RSPCA guys and so everything was all above board of I have to say every dog I used was amazing did you have um, a favorite I, I did fall in love with my beautiful Hawaiian dog <laughs> My stand, oh, the standard lovely. poodle. Yeah, I, she she was lovely. She was a fellow groomer's dog. I didn't I didn't know the groomer personally at the time, but she, beautiful, beautiful dog. Just loved her. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. so I had some really nice canvases to work from, and uh, it was just a long day. That was all because yeah. filming takes so long, and the photography and side of it that took a long time. And how many da well. days did you have to go? Was you there sort of throughout throughout uh, the series, whoa, or was you? It was it was over the course of a month. How many dogs did it? Was it five or six? Six, I think it was. Yeah. And then I went one day to groom the Afghan that was on set. Oh yes, so Lovely. that was sort of only titivated up, but it was raining that day, so it, that wasn't fun. Oh, <laughs> Afghans and rain don't go together, <laughs> especially with all the loo breaks and things they was going on. I should think every yes. time I went out and came back in, you were sort of sort of yeah. like some kind yeah. of superstar. <laughs> That's it. But it was really good fun. I made some really nice friends on that as well. Uh, I just had it was just a really, really good time. Really good time. And and the TV guys, they looked after us really well, you know. Oh, and I got paid for that, which really helped. Brilliant. During the Especially lockdown. in lockdown, yeah. <laughs> I just think yeah. that was a brilliant time and A to get some pennies in, but B to keep your brain yeah. active on something else, have something positive to sort of think about. While everyone's locked away, I know that it was a bit hard not to be negative at times, especially obviously with what happened with your mum, which I'm obviously really sorry to hear about. Yes. I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah. But to have something just to concentrate on a bit 
sort of different. Yeah. I mean, that probably was, uh, and it was great for all of us watching in lockdown because it gave us something to actually look forward to. Oh, it was so fabulous, think, wasn't you, it? You can remember fabulous. what day it is because you've got to remember what night to sit there and watch Pooch. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. I wanted I wanted to watch it all, like, night after night. It was really, okay. really good. And, and it was just so wonderful seeing the groomers that I know and love yes. on there. And going, willing them on. Oh, go on. Yeah. But us as groomers know how difficult their job was. Because not only are you dealing grooming a dog that doesn't know you, you've also got TV cameras around you being stopped and started of... for interviews and just everything. Yeah. So I thought they all did a well, everybody did a wonderful job. It was it was an honor to be part of it, to be honest. I think it was a fabulous thing for the for the grooming industry. So many of my customers took so much from that program as well. Yes. Like, a lot of them changed their opinions on the creative side as well because they sort of saw some of the creative work that was going on. They saw that the dogs were all happy and sort of the work that goes in behind it. And they generally seem to change their opinions as well, especially with um, well, with Mitch's soldier one, you know, the yes. um, the war one. I mean, a lot of the, the, older, one, yeah. the older generation, I noticed, sort of yeah. related to that one. Whereas I think yeah. before seeing Pooch, they probably would have been a bit like, oh, I don't like them colours on that dog or I don't think that's very natural or whatever. But to understand the stories behind and the, the work that goes into it and the fact that it's a project and the fact that the dogs are well looked after and all those things yeah. combined, it really did help. Because uh, like yeah. you said earlier, some people can be a bit less accepting of, of that sort of side of the industry. But that's it. it's hard uh, to know. accept something you don't understand, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, and I think they did the right thing by just going with the 20% of colour on the dog, you know, yes. and it had to be temporary. And it, whatever I say, everything was checked by the vet. And I always remember Balu, he went... I'm not really into creative, he said, but I really love this Hawaiian design, these flowers, because I, I created yeah. the flowers on set. And that um, was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. And because the creative size, there's different things for different sort of age groups. To have, like, the younger people with the bright colours and, you know, the Hawaiian themes, that grabbed them. There was sort of something for everyone, wasn't there? That's it. I, I wanted to get me, me hummingbird better, but time was of the essence and when they want you on set you're on set it's like oh but oh. my hummingbird's not ready <laughs> oh but what i love about you is you're always like oh i want to do this better and i want to do this better but to anyone from the outside it's amazing as it is to me when i see the grooms that you do i'm just like whoa how can you do that but i think inside yourself it's always harder to accept like what Yes. The wow yeah. factor but that I, someone else might see, isn't it? Do you see what I mean? That's it. I, w I would so love to learn more about um, more salon creative styles. And I would love to travel and, and learn from some of the amazing groomers out there. Yeah. But, you know, money money stops you from doing a lot of these things. You know, I, 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 I'm just a normal groomer. I live above my salon. And I don't have no fancy cars and this. You know, I've got a car, but I've got nothing. Yeah. Don't do anything amazing. Yeah, I've, same as most I've, of I've us. Had, I've, had, I've had a couple of couple of failed marriages and that's that's co that costs money you know yeah, and five children don't come cheap <laughs> no I can imagine <laughs> but, I mean, we've all grown up now <laughs> yeah that's the same as I should think the majority of groomers are in the same boat we do what we do we, it pays our bills it does what we need to do yeah. and it's being realistic I'm not saying obviously going to seminars and going to one-to-ones they're they're definitely worth the pennies but having the pennies in the first place you have to get them together and there's only so much you can do and based on the groomers industry there is so much that you can learn you, like that's the beauty of grooming you never stop learning but ever, equally never, ever. you can't pay to learn all of it at once at the same time it's just throughout no. life if you if you can go to something once or twice a year brilliant do you know what i mean yeah, it's just yeah. gradually acquiring that knowledge as and when you can without without the that's, it. that's it i would i would always advise to go to the workshops also, competition, because, yeah. I mean, competitions, that's another bargain way of getting your advice. I was just going to say, about by, by going to com grooming competitions, be it competing or not initially, you know, I would say it's really good fun to compete. But by just by going to them and attending them and stand outside the ring and watch Yes. Watch some of these high-end top groomers all in the champion classes. I, you know, I'll sit there quite happily and watch mm -hmm. some of these amazing poodle groomers. I'm always like amazed by them. And I'll just sit there and I'll just watch them like, oh, God. And you, and you look at someone and you think, I'd love to spend some time with that person. I like the way they groom. I like yeah. the way they handle. 
and that kind of thing. You can see all that in the ring. And that can be in any class. The Asian classes, they're very popular. And you can utilize some of these things in your grooms in the salon just to give your dog that little bit of extra lift. And yeah. you helped run the Great British Grooming Show, don't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. It was initially started it with the Great North Groom. So many, many years ago, I spoke to loads of groomers in, in and around my area, the Northwest area, and they were saying, oh, I wish, I, wish I, I can't drive and it's a job to get down, you know, because obviously a lot of the income way yes so but you need to make friends with people you know it's, you know, if you can't get down there you know ask you know people generally someone going so i started going could do something in the northwest so hence i had decided for many years let's just say eight ten years ago i can't remember anyway so i i thought right and i, I spoke to allison who was amazing to work yeah. with very knowledgeable and we came with the great north groom we had a couple of good years with that and then mm-hmm. we just Alison obviously is now working with Arturo and doing an amazing job yeah. and so we came up with the great British grooming show we sort of reinvented it after the lockdown and we thought right let's ch- change it all about reinvent it and yeah. so I work alongside David Lockwood uh previously Julie Small and Francesca Gray so Brilliant. we all work together and obviously our prospective partners, my husband, Wayne and uh, Bev, David's wife. So we're all sort of like part of a, a little team going on. David is the brains behind everything. He's a he good egg, a lot David, isn't he? I like David. Oh, he's, he's so good. He's so good. And we're, so sometimes we'll have little powwows and we'll throw different ideas out there. And But we Brilliant. just want it to be a really good, fun composition i'm not about the serious side of things i like the fun side of things so I, yeah of course I, I do like people to just I don't, I don't want the grooming show to be too serious i want it to be fun and it is dear. yeah i've come up every year since you've been doing it and i mean that is yeah. that is a good way for me but luckily i mean i've got i've got family just down the road to you so i tend to sort of combine oh let's do the grooming competition and visit the family at the same time make a weekend of it and we have a brilliant time i brought my cousin along last year and she loved it as well and taking her around seeing all the different dogs and things that i always go on about and she's like oh this is what it's like in real life yeah i always really enjoy it i always break down on the way i think i've broken down on the way to, to <laughs> about three times my bloody van keeps breaking down on whatever slip road or motorway it wants to but we get there in the end well that's it that's it so we're looking we're looking forward to this year's 2024 when i say this year 2024 yeah. great bitches grooming show so that's on the 19th of may 19th of may yeah and it's at lee sports village which is it's a lovely venue the, isn't it the, yeah the lee leopards who are up there now with the rugby it's their their stadium so we're part of that and i've got all the usual classes you know the workshops handshakes purebury gun dog you know beginners intermediate and then we've got the fun side which is obviously the double salon creative clipper only diamond in the yep. rough was uh, one, one of my first ideas i that love that a, idea a, 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 that was a class uh, I, I sort of brought in because i said you know there's so many wonderful dogs out there that we groom day to day but mm-hmm. you know they're a bit long in the body they've got a bit of a wonky leg the head might be a bit big for the body and that kind of thing but it doesn't mean to say they shouldn't have their day yeah. and sometimes i think that's a good class for a groomer that's just progressing and just quite happy plodding along with their salon grooms yeah and just wanting to make that particular dog look better i actually think that's a really interesting class to watch as well because i find in grooming like corrective grooming so interesting the way that you can make a dog look slightly different so like you say with your with your wonky legs you know to scissor scissor them in straight if the dog's a bit long you know take a bit more off the front and the back to make it look shorter and slightly change things to make it look the best that it can i find that yeah i mean that really does get me interested when it comes to grooming what can i do to get this dog to look the absolute best that it can just by yeah. altering a bit of hair. Growing a little bit of neck hair out and, you know, whatever it is, it's, but they are day-to-day grooms. Exactly, you know, yeah. It's what you expect to see and do in the salon, that's real life grooming in front of you really, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is, it is. You know, yeah. we don't all have these beautiful shore dogs coming through the door, do we? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's really lovely, but no, it's realistic grooming. Yeah. So yeah, and now now you've sort of, I know you've competed in over time. I know that you've done a bit of judging as well, haven't you? And obviously you've yeah. set up the show. Is there anything that you think between competitors judges show organizers that we should all sort of understand about each other or respect about each other to make like the day sort of easier i think yeah, it's i think i think you said the word there respect um i think it's important that we all respect each other to the best of our abilities and understand that groomers competing in the yeah. ring that are just 
scared to death, some of them, you know, particularly obviously the beginners or someone just having a go in the down in the rough class or a, a creative and think, well, have I got creative or whatever it is. And they're, and they're a bit scared. And I think it's important that from a judge's perspective, that they're kind and, and going with a smile. Um, yes. I always try to make sure I smile. And, and one thing I do always do, because I know we're, we're sort of steering away from the pre, pre-check pre of a, a dog now to save time and the dog's stood on the table, which is good. But I also, I always do go over and, you know, ask them if they're okay. Every, every groomer, I always do that too. Do you need yeah. anything? And I do that as well. That's my job as an organiser of the Great British Grooming Show, that the groomers have everything they need. Paul Mutney's so many times I've ran over and go, someone's forgot the brush, someone's forgot the comb, can I just borrow it? I'll pay for it after. And we'll, you know what I mean? I've done that with Mutney's before. It's usually a noose. There was once went to a grooming competition and forgot all my scissors, all of them, oh, no, every I'm single one of them. <laughs> I had to buy some very expensive ones, some, lovely, some beautiful scissors from Amanda. And she, mm. she bailed me out that day, you know. But, what, yeah. brilliant, what a brilliant reason to get a load of new scissors, though. But also, exactly, I must so, try that one again, actually. It's <laughs> so easy to forget your scissors or something you really need because there's so much to bloody think about. I mean, with with with, with running the show, I just think it's really important that the, I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody outside the ring to be having fun and learning and to have a good shopping experience. That's really important to me. <laughs> I've always had a brilliant time up there. So I recommend anyone who hasn't been up to Great British Grooming Show, they should definitely head up there and and see what what it's all about because it's really fun, really friendly. You get some different traders up there as well. So it's always always a nice one to sort of make a drive up up north to. And uh, hopefully next year I'll have a different car. That's the plan anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. If we move on now to like the last few questions that I ask all the groomers that come on, um, just it'd be really interesting to hear your opinion. Um, what do you find most rewarding about being a dog groomer? Uh, a good transformation is is always good to have, and that's going back to the diamond and the rough dogs as well. And, and creating a dog that might be have a its coat's a bit of poor quality because it's probably on a, not a great diet or something. And if you can add some nice conditioning treatments to it, you know, we're putting good products on the dog. Just spending the time sometimes with the dog. It's sometimes quite nice when a dog doesn't turn up because you get that little bit more time to spend with another dog and i really like talking to the customers i've said this earlier on um i think helping teach them and advise them be it grooming techniques that they can use at home the dog's dietary requirements and exercise requirements and you know just generally talking to the client and what advice would you give to your younger self so if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice when you first started what would it be look after myself even though I was very young back then I didn't do anything like exercise I've never been an exercisey person did did a bit of a you know a, a little bit at school and stuff and I never really did a, I've never been a sports kind of girl I like walking but I think for if I was young I would definitely take up something like a, a yoga or Pilates or something just to make the body a bit more supple. Um, yeah, I think I've been. I think I've been quite fortunate. You know, I've touched wood. I've never suffered with anything with my hands, but I was. I was always taught hand exercises every morning. I always stretch my fingers out. Uh, and flex it yeah every morning yeah yeah stretch my fingers out bring my fingers like my thumb into into the palm of my hand one by one and that really stretches and holds it. I, I'm literally doing it as you're talking to me. Sorry, I went quiet then. Yeah, it's because I was sitting really, there. Yeah, really <laughs> stretch your hand though. Bring your thumb into the centre of your palm. Just hold it for a few seconds and let it go. And then work your way through your fingers. And then circling circling my wrists and just generally yeah. giving it a good shake. Yeah, your hand a good shake out before you start. I've always done that. That was something I did get taught from way back when i had some hand physio quite a while ago and it was to do with hand stripping because i'd really started a lot of hand stripping and my yeah. thumbs are like over flexible um i've got it in yeah. a few other areas of my body because i used to dance and i've got it in my knees as well so when most people when they reach down to the floor their legs will stay in the same position and you just reach yeah. as far as you can with me my knees will pop back and it's the same yeah. with my thumbs. So I can only use certain um, hand stripping knives because, you know, the ones right. that have got like the dip in, they've got like that groove in, yeah. haven't they? I can't yeah. use them because that will push my thumb back into the wrong position. Yeah. I have to use dead straight with ones. You. Yeah, yeah, so with you. hold your hand so your, your um, elbows to the floor and your fingers are to the ceiling and you curl your fingers down into your palm yeah. and grip a fist and then curl it back out again really slowly. Yeah. And it like yeah. helps you build up your hand muscles. So yeah. I might start yeah. doing your thumb and finger exercises in the morning. That's nice. Yeah, and it's like... just one thing I've just always done. I've recently been to a physio. I asked for a hand massage because I've just 
just started the very tips of uh, my left hand. So that's my yeah. holding hand. Yes. Um, very, very tips of my, my index finger and the one next to it. Been getting a little bit of stiffness in there. But I mean, okay. yeah, 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 I don't think I've done too bad. But I wish I'd have looked after my body a little bit more, you know. Yeah. I don't really suffer with back pain or anything like that, touch wood, but my knees I do. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I'm, I'm carrying a little bit more weight since lockdown. And uh, seven years ago, I started the, the change, the menopause, the dreaded mm-hmm. menopause. And that that's happened to me. And I've been struggling. I can, I can notice a little bit more weight gain and, and, stuff like that going on with my body and so I think with the, with the menopause I've been listening to a lot of this this podcast um Dr Louise Newson who has a menopause podcast and I didn't realize until I started listening how much it affects other parts of your body such as your bones yeah. and people get headaches a lot more the mood change sometimes mood changes weight <laughs> fluctuations there's all sorts yeah. of things that go with it that I just didn't really have a clue about so things like with your knees you are standing up all day, every day, yeah. do a job, aren't you? There's sorts of things like that, and obviously, after 35 years of standing at a grooming table, things are going to start wearing, wearing and tearing. So I think you've well, done really it. well, and you must have yeah. really good technique for it to be this far down that you've even just started yeah. to notice these things. It's important the way you stand uh, with yeah. keep your legs slightly apart and your knees just a bit more relaxed. I've, I've just going back onto the Great British Grooming Show. We have got a, a speaker coming. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be one of the first seminars in the morning. He's my uh, physio guy. Okay. So he wow. does sports physio and and all sorts of different things he does. But he's he's going to come along. He's going to spend half a day with us in the salon to, to watch us work, just to understand how we actually stand or sit or move around the salon. He's going to be coming and offering some advice on self-help, massaging your hands mm-hmm. and standing and heights of tables and things like that. So he's, he's going to be coming. I think he's going to be one of the first seminars of the day. What a brilliant um, idea. Yeah, so his name's Adam Clare and he's got a company called Expertise in the local area, literally around the corner from me. But and he's, he's, he's dead fun. He's, he's a great guy, quite funny, loves a good conversation. So he does my back occasionally uh, mm-hmm. and he's, he's done work with minis as well. I think he'll be a good one for groomers to come and watch. I think that's an amazing um, idea. From more of the mental sort of health side of things, what do you think affects us in the industry mental health wise? I think a lot of groomers are lonely. Mm-hmm. that obviously work on their own and I, I, I think loneliness can be one of it I, I think I think that you know having having no one to talk to sometimes and you sit there talking to dogs all day <laughs> waffling mm-hmm. on I, th- I think that's a big thing for a lot of groomers that work, do work on their own be it mobile or in a salon or whatever and and the cost of because of the cost of rentals at the moment I think a lot more groomers are going you know what we're gonna have to share a property here yeah, and team I think, up together. I think, yeah, so it's a matter of finding someone that you can work with. Obviously, no one ever wants to fall out. I'm out of there, get on with everybody if I, if I can help it. And I think one of the hardest things working is timings. So we have a half hour thing at our where we are. So if a customer they've got up to half an hour to be late, and okay. then it's up to us, late picking yeah. up, late dropping off. Um, and the worst thing is if someone just comes back before you've rang them and you like feel pressured then or because you, you have to get the dog back down to reality because the owner's just walked in. That, I think, can just stress you out. Could you give us an example of a time that you've learned from a mistake as a groomer? Mm, uh, mistake. Well, one of the worst, scariest things that has ever happened to me was I lost a dog. Oh, blimey. Yeah, no, this is this is way before I was actually in business. And it was a 15-year-old toy poodle. And it was a friend of a friend. So I didn't actually know this dog, but she said, I thought, oh, I'll have, a poodle. I'll have a go at a poodle. It was an elder dog. Dog was lovely, actually. Bit nervous, but it was also 15. I lived on a council estate and it was a cul-de-sac and there was just two cul-de-sacs down and the rest of it was fields around and a park. And I, I, I was letting the dog out. The dog was on its lead, on, on, a, on a slip lead. Yeah. And I obviously hadn't pushed the thing down properly. And I let it out for a wee on the garden. Just at that point, my husband came through the gate home from work and the car backfired. The dog literally backed out of its collar, shot off through the gate. <gasps> oh, no. I was so like, happened? oh, my God. Well, it, it ran down the streets and I'm shouting, get that dog, grab that dog, not knowing enough about dogs and not to chase them and all that kind of thing. And it just took off out, out the street, went all the way around the cul-de-sac, out the street, gone was like, oh, my God. And these people are on the way for the dog. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I weren't really charging for customers. At that. I didn't charge any money as such there. Sometimes he used to give me a tenner or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, I've lost someone's dog. It's 15. The dog's going to die. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Before I've even really started being in so business. Did you manage to get it back? <laughs> yeah, some kids found it. 
Oh, <laughs> some kids found it, and it was probably about I don't know, a couple of hours later. Cool. I was like, oh, that's it. I'm, my career's over with. My life's over with. I'm going to jail. My head was just like in a spin. <laughs> Did the owners uh, take it all right? with they okay? The owners, the owners were amazing. The owners just were said, Thing, things happen. Things yeah. happen. And that's what, that's true. And that's what happens. Sometimes things yeah. do happen. You had it on a lead. You couldn't, do you know what I mean? You, I you did. It was just one of them freak things. But, but I had it on a lead, but I just obviously hadn't pushed that, uh, the little knobbly bit down enough on the slip lead. Mm. Just one of them moments and it happened. So, yeah. so, so that was many, many years ago. I'm going back, God, as I said, about, 90s right or something like that. I did groom the dog after that, but yeah, I was I was yeah. mortified. But they, they were very good. Health and safety obviously is paramount in Islam, but security. So we've got obviously we've got a large gate. We do have our dogs in pens. They're all penned. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. dogs are in the salon as well, so I don't because I live where I, where I work. My dogs are in the salon as well, so it's, yeah, uh, I can't I can't cope with loads of dogs running around the salon apart from me own if you like. So yeah, the dogs are crated or penned in a penned area with a bed, and they're happy. Yeah. They know the places. You know, once you once you train them, they're all right. I couldn't imagine the worry that you went through, but it's so good that it was a happy ending and that the owners yeah. were okay and the dog was okay. What is the best change in the industry that you've seen since you've been grooming? There's a lot more help and support out there. I would say. I think. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, if you work on your own, I think a lot of groomers sit there and look at YouTube and Instagram and TikToks and whatever have you. I'm not very social media in myself, but I do try and watch the odd bit. I yeah. think it's important to keep to keep up with what other people are doing. I think there's a lot of people out there got a little bit. I don't know. I hate to use the, the phrase, but like they're, they're famous because of Instagram because they've got a lot right. of followers. So I think there's a lot of that around. I think you've got to choose wisely who you follow. You know, mm-hmm. there are some amazing, amazing groomers out there from all around the world. But just choose someone that you, you, that you like. But I think there's just a lot, there's a lot of support out there, particularly if you just put yourself out there a little bit and make friends, make friends with your local groomers. Yes. Because, uh, you know, years ago, it was like unheard of. You know, people, groomers used to ring up groomers and go, hi, I just moved to the area. I've got a Westie, a Cockapoo, a Cocker Spaniel and uh, yeah. a, a Poodle and whatever have you. And and, and you, how much would you charge? And you're like, yeah, right, it's a groomer. <laughs> <laughs> now, groomers just go, you know, that. Am, I, am I prices right? Um, I'm charging X amount for a dog and is, is it the right price? You know, I know we can't price match and every salon's different and all that kind of thing yeah but it's I think it's, it's really to know when you're in the right ballpark just by getting a variety of answers of what other people charge in your area and just making a sensible decision it's for just you, a, really. but yeah yeah for it's, you and how, just, much, how much your bills are and yeah you know. I remember when my first grooming teacher she's lovely lovely lady she sort of like used to go to competitions when they first started um, not yeah. to compete, she'd go and watch, but she said sometimes pe- people have come off the competition ring and you ask them what length they used on what dog. And she said it was almost like you'd you'd want to know their deepest, darkest secret. They just look at you yeah. like, who are you? So, like, what I'll you- tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not telling yeah. you that. Yeah. Whereas now, I'm always collaring people left, right and bloody centre around the competition ring. I feel like I'm part of a, a big family now Mm. um you know over the years i've met many groomers and i've got lots of contact numbers in my phone and um and 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 that's groomers that are very well known to groomers that are just down the road from me and and i can ring them up and i'll ask their advice you know i ask advice just as much as someone asks me advice Mm -hmm. um and i think it's important you know it's nothing i nothing i love more than finishing work uh, I'll pour myself a glass of wine and I'll chat to a groomer all night long. Yeah, I, I love it. Love it. That is, I've got a few groomers that I do that with. Maybe once or twice a yeah. month, just have a quick, well, like one night of an offload yeah. and a catch up and a good old chinwag yeah. about this, that, or the other. And it's no, it's really yeah. nice. And you, you do feel like you're joined together in some kind of respect because you understand each other and you know what each other's lives are about. I mean, sometimes, yeah. like I say, with families, you do rub each other up the wrong way sometimes and that's bound to happen occasionally but I think on the whole we are a really good bunch and the support is out Definitely. there if you go looking for it and you go about it the Definitely. right way. So we did uh, one Christmas just gone we did an amazing uh, Christmas party night for us all. Lord of local groomers I think there's about 15 of us and I got a local florist in and he was making Christmas wreaths and we all drank bubbly or wine or whatever and just and I got pizza in and we just sat there making Christmas wreaths 
and we just had a blast just start talking about dogs and dog grooming and Brilliant. learned something I've never made a wreath before it no, was fabulous it does look fun but it was yeah but it was great talking to talking to our groomer friends that we don't see from you know one Christmas to the next and I think it's important so we plan plan to do something this year hopefully and maybe I'll go out for a meal I have thought about a Prosecco and painting night so that that could oh, happen as nice. well <laughs> yeah yeah get an artist or, um... in what do you think in our industry still needs to change then? Is there anything that you, if you waved your magic wand, like what would you change if you could? Some of the unregulated training centres, I think. There are some groomers. One that works with us, our bather, she went to a training centre that the you know the paper's not worth anything. So she did this course that right, okay, I paid three or four, five thousand pounds, whatever it was, for this course, 30 yeah. days. If you use a proper a proper training provider uh, mm-hmm. or a good one that's got good reputation, and there are plenty out there, then I think they they will always have you back. Um, literally, you could ring them up and say, "Listen, yeah. I'm, I've got the dog booked in. I've never done one, so I need some help." Yeah. Um, I can't remember how many times I called the lady who taught me to groom. I don't know what to do with this. And she would literally talk it all through for me. And even like Angie yeah. Haley from ICMG, if I, there's a few times where I've been in a bit of a, a bit of a flap with something that I don't know what, what to do with. And I'll ring her up and say, Angela, I need some help with this. And she's always been there for me to say, you know, calm yourself yeah. down, let's do this. I've got that support and that help the people who train yeah. you. But, I mean, what really upsets me out of it is the fact that you've paid four to five grand for a piece of paper that isn't recognised, that's the and you still have to go. And, you, and at some point, you because at some point you're going to have to go for for your actual qualification and yeah. pay out again. You know, say say regulation did come in, which I don't know if it will. I don't know if it ever will, but say it did. No, I'm not sure. Then yeah, it's really upsetting that they've they that's a lot of money, a hell of a lot of mm. money to pay. It is. It is. And um, it I is. think that's where people like the spotlight are really helpful. Yes. When people are training up, you can say, right, go on the groomer spotlight, find yourself a, a grooming school on there that is recognised. If you want to be found on that website, you can go on there and place your school on there and you'll be another person on there where people can look and say, ah, I can get a qualification from there and it means something. That well, that's, uh, I mean, I, I, I obviously uh, the City and Guilds, I don't think was, it wasn't a, an actual course as such many years ago. It might have just been, but I didn't know much about it. So it was a uh, when did I do mine? I think it was two thousand and eleven. So I actually just did a fast track sitting uh, sitting guilds, mm-hmm. you know, qualification. So I thought best do this, yeah, <laughs> you know, because I've not actually got a formal dog grooming was in my college course, but it was like a small element. Yeah, and I was just fortunate that I, I I had a good salon that I worked in. Uh, mm. and I got some good good grounding I, um, I think that's how a lot of people start and those groomers are not to be dismissed they are really you know valid that they've learned from good people and things like that and that's why I think that the fast track option is such a, a brilliant thing that you can do because then it, it yeah. sort of helps helps those people get you know get through yeah. a bit a bit yeah. quicker and um, still be able to sort of say oh I've got it now do you know what I mean yeah that's it. My business partner's doing the fast track at the minute because I mean she's she's been grooming a little just a little bit longer than me with a couple of breaks though, um, mm-hmm. and she's doing it. I said, and she initially said, "I don't know why I should bother. I'll be I'll be retiring soon." I said, "Just do it for you." Yeah, do it for you. And I said that you know it's not going to cost you that much now in comparison to obviously paying for a full on training. So mm-hmm. I just think it's it's a good thing to do. Whether she'll yeah. join the groomer spotlight, I don't know, but. I know I'm on it, but I like I love the groomer spotlight because yeah. I, I can put all my achievements in there as well. Just there. Yeah, it's like a little know. CV of its own, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I need to update it actually thinking about that now. <laughs> <laughs> That'll give you something to do this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Lorraine. I've really enjoyed speaking to you today. Um You're very welcome. Like, and so when people before we go, I just want to ask you about the Great British Grooming Show. What if people yeah. want to book on or find out more about it? Where can they go to look? It's the Great British Grooming Show dot co dot uk. It's just recently been updated. There might be a couple of things it need to do uh, that David needs to just update on there. But it is yeah. the Great British Grooming Show dot co dot uk. And obviously we've got the group page and the event page on Facebook, and we've got an Instagram account. And if anybody nice and easy. wants to ask me anything specific or David something specific, they can do. We just want it to be a good show. Everybody have a good time. Lots of competitors, lots of learning, and hopefully, you know, everybody walks away happy and enjoys it. 
and Great fingers event. crossed, we get we 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 also get the uh, award. I'd love the award for event of the year because we've got yes, because you've been nominated so. as well. Congratulations! We we've been nominated again, so I'd I'd, I'd like that. But so you hit, never hit, know, nudge, nudge. <laughs> hit, hit nudge nudge, hit nudge nudge, yeah, yeah. Where was your streaming show? <laughs> love it. That was a lovely interview. Thank you so much. What a nice person. We covered so many topics, and there was so much to take from that interview. So thank you, Lorraine. Next week, I'm talking to the lovely Laura Clegg. October is ADHD Awareness Month, so although I covered ADHD with neurodivergent coach Zoe Joanna in episode 7, I thought it would be nice to do an episode with myself and another groomer who also has ADHD and cover the lived experience of how it affects us both inside and outside of the salon based on our own life experiences. So, thank you for listening in. Going forward, I have decided to move the day I release the show to a Monday. After being ill, I got a bit behind again and I have used up all the spare episodes that I had stored away. So releasing on a Monday allows me to work on the show on a Sunday, which is one of my days off. I have a few interviews lined up over the next few weeks and I can't wait to share them with you. So, I will be back next Monday. Cheerio!